Hey everyone, welcome to the AI Education Conversation, where we talk AI, education, and everything in between. I'm Daniel Lopez. As we take this learning journey together, I invite you to join the conversation at the AI Ed Convo on Twitter. Let's jump in. two weeks ago, a pretty seismic shift in, in my views on education happened with the introduction of ChatGPT. So just to give you a little bit of context, I'm, I'm a lifelong educator. I've spent most of my career in education and through various capacities. I started off teaching, a few, uh, teaching for a few years. I then spent a few years as a counselor really working uh, with students in more of a direct advising capacity, but still doing a lot of that whole group instruction. And then I had the opportunity to manage teams within education. And so currently I work for an organization called One Goal. Big shout out to One Goal. Uh, you know, what I'm really proud of with the work that we do is re we really help um, schools and partner with schools so that they can deepen their, their post-secondary planning experiences with students. So students have the opportunity to really get a sense of who they are, what they care about, what they value before they make their way to life after high school. Um, and for many of those students, that's gonna include college for some of them. It will include non-traditional pathways, what we like to call progressive pathways. But amongst all of these experiences, one thing that I feel just really blessed to have experienced is the fact that I've had a lot of exposure to a lot of different school environments, right? And so as a teacher, obviously, I really had a, uh, an understanding of, of the, the many challenges and the many hats that you have to wear as a teacher and, and all of that that goes into it. You know, in, in my, some of my other roles, what I was able to experience is seeing what the school looks like outside of the classroom. I think what can be so challenging as a teacher is that oftentimes you are doing your thing in the classroom, right? You're working really hard to make that happen and to really support your students. And you often don't know what's happening outside of the school or in the broader context of, you know, that the student's experience outside of that, that 60 minutes in your classroom or for, you know, my, my self-contained teachers for that full day in your classroom. Since I've been able to do that, I, you know, in, when I was in Houston, I spent quite a few uh, years in Houston. I was able to have access to and see a lot of different high schools. I saw probably about 40 different high schools in action, some of them really large urban uh, kind of like public comprehensive high schools, some of them a little bit more smaller, specialized, some some early college high schools, some more magnet type high schools. And I've also been able to see high schools in different states. I was able to see high schools in Texas. I have, uh, you know, recently with my my role with One Goal, been able to see and have conversations with principals, school leaders, heads of guidance, assistant superintendents, superintendents, folks from just a lot of different seats and get a sense of what they're experiencing and how those challenges are a little bit different relative to my experiences in Texas. Now, I would say like through, throughout this career and through this, this kind of body of experiences that I've had, one thing that is very clear for me is that it's never been tougher to be uh, a public school educator, right? Whether it's a teacher, whether it's a principal, whether it's a guidance, these jobs are all really hard and they require you to wear so many different hats um, throughout the day. They oftentimes require you to solve so many challenges or outside of the job description or challenges that are barriers to the work that you're actually supposed to be doing, right? So oftentimes, as an example, you know, with our some of our counselor friends, you know, oftentimes when I talk to folks outside of education who say, well, what, you know, what does a counselor do? You know, oftentimes they think of that they're supposed to be meeting with kids all day, right? Having conversations with them about what they want to do after high school or if, if students are having, you know, behavioral challenges or if they're having just kind of social emotional challenges, being able to have ongoing conversations with those students to be able to 
better understand you know what's going on and be able to provide just support for those students so that they can overcome their challenges what those same friends don't often know is that oftentimes those counselors are spending a good amount of their day with scheduling challenges right or working through scheduling pieces they're oftentimes spending a disproportionate amount of their day facilitating testing coordination right throughout the year there's there's a tremendous amount of tests that will come up right some from you know uh example tests like the ap test or the ib test some of them of course are state standardized tests some of them are prep tests to lead up to the state standardized tests that'll give context to teachers as to how their students are faring at this point of the year so that they can use that to kind of like modify their instruction before before the big test before game day right and you oftentimes don't see that body of work that's kind of taking place and it can take a lot of time from just the overall structures that have to be true right how am i going to across a class of 500 students get them over two days to take this test who what room are they going to be in who are they going to be doing with what are the rules that i have to tell the teachers to assign and so there, there's just a lot of work that goes into it right is Kind of the point I'm making. So it's it's really tough out there. Obviously, things like the pandemic didn't make it e any easier to navigate that environment. But I say that this seismic shift happened within me about two weeks ago because of this this thing called ChatGPT, right, and AI technology. I'm naturally kind of a skeptic when it comes to like an overemphasis of technology and education, and I think the reason why I say that is because throughout my various experiences, what I've noticed is that technology sometimes can actually make things harder <laughs> for a teacher to do what they have to do in a classroom from, you know, you have like so many companies across so many different just facets of the educational experience from those technological companies who, who have these like behavior modification platforms, or you have student information systems, you have learning management systems, right? You, the list goes on and on and on. But what I've experienced is a lot of times, if you have too many of those things, what happens is, is that the teacher, the guidance counselor now becomes kind of a tech implementation specialist. They have to be the person who um, is navigating challenges when students can't log in or they forget their username or they forget their password or reset their password. If you know students are going through and clicking on pages and, and it's not really intuitive, they have to be the person who helps them to figure out. Again, all of these things outside of the actual job, right? Outside of the actual work. So because of that, when it comes to a lot of these these tools or systems being put in, naturally I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is gonna make people's job easier. I think it's actually gonna make it harder, right? Or potentially it can make the job more difficult. That shifted a little bit uh, with ChatGPT. And I, I think it shifted a little bit because as I was playing around with it, I realized that this was different, right? And so just to provide a little bit of context here for those of you who haven't heard about this, this thing called ChatGPT yet, I know it's been kind of out in the news cycle for a little while now. And, it's, it's, it's kind of blowing up on, on social media and, and news outlets and those types of things. And there's now conversations about how these things can be used in other places. But what ChatGPT is, is if you um, log in, and I would encourage anyone who has not heard of this yet or is um, you know just curious to play with it more to kind of log in. But what it is, is this, uh, what's called the learning language model. And LLM is kind of the what I have learned is the, the terminology for it amongst kind of our the tech spheres here. But it's this model essentially where very similar to kind of like, like a search bar, like a Bing or a Google or something like that. There's kind of like a search function and you can ask it something, right? You can ask it pretty much anything out there. Actually, you can ask it very abstract questions. You can ask it very kind of straight up questions, maybe more step, step by step type things. And it's going to provide a response to those answers. And what I found just very kind of astounding about how it worked is it felt super conversational and the answers were for the most part right, right? And just to kind of give you an example of how this thing works if, if you know, this isn't feeling too, too clear yet or if you haven't too much, too much about it, right? So I've spent 
likely at this point, maybe over 10 to 15 hours on ChatGPT. I've spent kind of a lot of time just fascinated by this type of technology, fascinated by how easy it was to use and, and how, how low the learning curve was to use something like this without you know, needing to create an extensive amount of username capabilities, having to go through 25 pages just to get to what I needed. You know, I didn't have to, you know, read a book or, you know, read a how-to guide or anything like that to learn how to use it. It was very intuitive. I just, once I, once I logged in, I just started asking questions and then I was able to ask follow-up questions to those questions. I would, I was able to have what felt for me like a conversation, but with, with AI, with artificial intelligence. And so that's kind of what made this this pretty astounding to me. So let me give you an example. Let me give you an example just so that you kind of understand a little bit how this thing works and how it might be applied. So I asked ChatGPT amongst one of my, my various searches to uh, write me a funny story with a twist about a star athlete who aspires to become a comedian. That's what I asked it. And this is what it chugged out to me, right? And I want to also say that it was able to do this in about 20 seconds. I was kind of counting in my head and I logged that it took about 20 seconds for this to happen. So this is what it responded. What it said is, once there was a star athlete named Jack, he was the star quarterback of his high school football team and had a bright future ahead of him as a college athlete. But little did anyone know, Jack had a secret passion. He wanted to be a comedian. Jack would sneak off to open mic nights at the local comedy club after practicing games, honing his craft and getting laughs from the crowd. He was determined to make it as a comedian and decided to quit the football team to pursue his dream. But on the day of the big game, the school's other quarterback got injured and Jack was called in to fill in. With the crowd cheering him on, Jack led his team to victory with a series of touchdown passes all while cracking jokes and making the crowd roar with laughter. After the game, the school's coach and teammates were shocked to find out that Jack had a talent for comedy and he was offered a scholarship to study comedy in college. Jack was ecstatic. He had found a way to combine his two passions and make them work together. He became a college football star and also a stand-up comedian. Jack's unique combination of talent, hard work, and determination made him a legend in the sports and comedy world. He became a famous stand-up comedian and also a professional football player known as the funny quarterback. He was living the dream and proving that you can have it all if you worked hard for it. Now, you might have heard that and you might think, ah, that's not a particularly memorable story or something that completely blows you away. And I would agree. I mean, I'm not reading that saying, you know, this is the best piece of literature I've ever read. You know, let's give this a Pulitzer Prize or anything right now. But what was particularly astounding about that is with like a pretty specific prompt, right? I'm asking it to write a story with a twist about an athlete who aspires to become a, a comedian. It was able to do that in 25 seconds. Now, with a lot of the way that some of the current search bars out there work, not not using this, these learning language models, you know, say like you're using something like Google, which obviously we all use. If I were to ask it the same thing, I'm sure eventually maybe I could stumble upon something that kind of resembled, you know, a prompt or something like this or a story that somebody had written out there that Google had found on the website, but it may not be exactly what I wanted, right? And so this was you know, 95% of what I wanted, maybe there are specific things, but here's where it gets really, really interesting, right? And this is where I think ChatGPC started to blow me away a little bit and it really started to help me imagine a little bit what a world could look like leveraging some of this technology in education, right? To make the, the lives of our students, our teachers, and the many folks that work in the education sector easier. So I asked ChatGPT with that same story to rewrite that story and I asked it to write it this time as Dr. Seuss. And this is what it said when I asked it to do that. In a land far away lived a boy named Jack one day. He was fast and strong, a star athlete all day long. But little did they know, Jack had a secret, oh so low. He wanted to be a comedian, making people laugh again and again. He'd sneak off after games to open mic nights to gain fame. He worked hard day and night to make people laugh with all his might. One day he quit the team to follow his dream. It was no scheme, but on game day, 
fate did align. The other QB was hurt. It was Jack's time to shine. He led his team to victory with jokes and laughter. Oh, so cheery. The crowd loved it. They couldn't believe. A quarterback who could make them laugh and achieve. The coach and team, they all did see Jack's talent for comedy. He's got a scholarship, you see, to study comedy. Oh, so free. Jack proved that you can have it all if you work hard and never fall. He became a star on and off the field. A funny, a funny quarterback, his story will forever be sealed. That, <laughs> that blew me away, right? Uh, when I thought about the, the use of this type of technology, the fact now that ChatGPT was able to do something like that, right? And again, mind you, in, in a similar amount of time, within probably about 20 to 25 seconds after I instructed it to rewrite this as Dr. Seuss, it was able to respond to me something which was mostly what I wanted, right? Something that was pretty pretty strong quality, right? For And depending on, you know, the grade level of students that you're serving, I mean, this may be on par with the, the type of quality of work your students are able to complete at this point in their educational journey. But the fact that it was able to do it so fast, the fact that it was able to really do this type of abstract thinking, I just, I've never experienced anything like it in, throughout my career. And like I said, with such a low learning bar, with such a low access to entry for me to just be able to go and type some of the questions that I had. And then it's, it's, it's in a very conversational way. We're having this experience together, right? We're having this conversation together in a world of this, this type of possibility, this type of, you know, technology that exists where you can have a, a learning language model like chat GPT. And mind you, this isn't the only one out there. And from my understanding, based on what I've experienced so far is that this isn't even as good as it can be at this point. I will, I will post a link to this on uh, the, AI, uh, the AI Ed Combo Twitter, um, but there's a lot of folks out there on Twitter I've noticed who have talked about how the information in the model that's being used right now with ChatGPT that folks have been interacting with since the start of the year and just even before that is called GPT-3, right? So think of it as kind of like the, the first generation of iPhones that came out, right? As an example, when that came out. My understanding is that for the next generation of this, which is supposed to be called GPT-4, which potentially will be released at some point this year, the knowledge and the overall just uh, quality of that, that model is supposed to be significantly uh, better than even what we're experiencing right now. Uh, some of the models that I've seen in terms of the information is that you can kind of say that like if chat GPT-3 model was the equivalent of, let's say like a marble in terms of the knowledge that it knew, the, the quality of the conversations it was able to have. My understanding is like the GPT-4 model is kind of like the size of a bowling ball <laughs> in terms of the knowledge that it has, the information, right, the, the quality of the model. And so it's not just about the, the current, you know, quality of some of these models. It's about their potential to get better really, really fast as people are interacting with them, as different prompts are being engaged with, as folks are using it to ask different things, right? And so the example I provided was just one way, right, to use it. If you, you know, you go on YouTube, you go on Twitter, you can find a lot of different ways that people interact with this. I've seen people to ask it to write, write eBooks, write a step-by-step -step business plan on how to create a yogurt business, come up with meal plans for me for the entire week, make sure that they're all keto and I don't like, you know, I don't like beef, right, as an example. And so you can ask it a lot of different prompts and it's going to come up with, you know, some of those answers and you can continue to refine those prompts as you're going through. So if on that first iteration of a response that it gave you, if it's only about 80% correct, you can then tell it that, right? You could say, ah, actually, this isn't what I was looking for. Uh, can you give me something that looks more like this? Or I like 
like this part of what you said. Can you also rewrite this or can you expand on this, right? And it, it's gonna have this conversation with you in a very, very short amount of time. So when you just think about the the potential for growth, uh, you think about the potential to get answers quickly, to be able to outsource some of your lower level thinking quickly so that you can focus on, you know, getting closer to some of those those problems or those questions that you have. I, I mean, I, I just see a tremendous amount of uses and, and opportunity for you know, something like this and how it could be used. Now, if you've spent any time looking at ChatGPT, hearing about this, you've also probably heard about, you know, the ramif the current ramifications if it's had in education, both on higher ed and on the public education side. So I think a lot of this was highlighted in uh, New York City public schools coming out recently and actually banning ChatGPT because of some of the implications that can have. And so this was the exact statement that I saw that they kind of put out related to the banning of ChatGPT. So they said, Due to the concerns about negative impacts on student learning and concerns regarding the safety and accuracy of content, access to ChatGPT is restricted on New York City public schools, networks, and devices. Said Education Department spokesperson, Jenna Lyle, while the tool may be able to provide quick and easy answers to questions, it does not build critical thinking and problem-solving skills, which are essential to for academic and lifelong success. So I'll say that, like, first and foremost, my initial reaction to reading this and just kind of playing around with ChatGPT is I, I totally understand why New York City Public Schools at this particular point in time decided to ban ChatGPT on this. I know that they're getting, you know, quite a bit of backlash, and it's, it's a pretty lively debate, but a lot of the folks that I've seen on Twitter or, or call this a negative thing, right? They've responded negatively to this. But I guess just like, you know, from my perspective, having a lot of conversations and with folks who work in schools, what I think the banning does right now is it kind of gives them time a little bit to just kind of hit pause and, and figure out this thing, right? Figure out what this is, figure out how it may play a role within their schools. Now, obviously, as, as some folks have already said, it's not going to control students from on their personal devices without Wi-Fi going home. It's not going to control them from being able to use that. Fair enough, right? Like, I definitely understand that. But when you're talking about something that has, has is, is as transformational as I feel this thing is, and, and just in my experience using it, I don't criticize New York public city schools for banning it at this particular point in time. What I would push back on a little bit is this idea that something like chat GPT does not build critical thinking and problem solving skills. What I have just observed in my experience using this and, you know, in the, in the short amount of time that I've had, and, and again, still knowing that even on, in my experience, there's probably a lot of learning to do. I still, you know, I'm going on YouTube and Twitter and seeing tons of different ways that people thought of to use this technology and, and how it might work. But I think the initial fear in putting something like that out there, and it's something that's been happening at this point, is just folks are worried that ChatGPT is going to be able to write papers for students, right? And they're going to be able to say, write me a five paragraph essay on this topic and pump something out. Now, as I was able to kind of show in some of the responses that I have here, what ChatGPT says is like pretty good, but it's not, it's not completely blowing me away, right? In terms of like the quality of the story at that particular point. But the fact that it's like 80% of that is for me, what makes it uh, just kind of astounding in that way. Beyond the actual just like element of creation that happens to things like that, such as, you know, write me a paper, create this paper, create this essay, create this response to this. What I think we're limiting ourselves on is this idea that it doesn't build critical thinking and problem solving skills, right? When I think about higher level, you know, types of things, right? Higher, higher level thinking types of formulas, Creation isn't the only thing that exists at this time. And, and the only way to create something isn't to take, you know, kind of take a prompt and then respond to an essay. I think as an example about one of the, the, the couple of like hardest assignments that I've ever had, just like throughout my educational journey and the way that those things were structured, you know, just for all my math teachers out there, I think about something like um, in trigonometry, they have this concept called, you know, proofs, right? 
And so there's there's similar things to it, right? Like I'm, I'm using proofs just as one example, but there's a lot of different ways in, in different contents where this thing comes. I also think of, you know, like as an example in chemistry for my science teachers out there, I think about balancing chemical equations, right? Um, but both of those concepts, what I like about both of those is that they actually give you what the answer is at the beginning of, of the equation, right? So they don't say two plus two, what does that equal? They actually tell you, uh, they will say something like on this side, the answer already is four or, you know, the equation that I got is carbon squared, you know, hydrogen this. And what they'll do is they'll tell you, this is the answer, right? This is the answer. This is how I got here. How did I get here? And then it kind of puts the onus on the learner in that, the student in that equation to not necessarily figure out the answer, but figure out what were the steps to get to that particular answer, right? And get there, you know, just to provide maybe like a different example to like really hit this home. I also think about, you know, when I was in college, I, I took this, this pre-law course, by far the most difficult course that I took when I was in college. And, you know, the funniest thing about it is it was the only class that I had that every single test that we took, we took probably about three to four examinations throughout the year. We took, you know, midterms, finals, all those things. Every single one was open book, right? So the professor had told us up front, you can, you can use the notes as much as you want, right? You can use your books to be able to kind of like read some of the laws related to say negligence or related to contract law or related to you know fiduciary relationships or any of these things but the way that he had structured all of his you know examinations is you know there was a real life complicated scenario given to us and then we kind of had to apply some of these like legal principles to be able to come up with a thoughtful answer as to how we would respond like who was in the right right based on this particular scenario right and so he would he would provide some you know examinations where as an example maybe somebody was walking on the train tracks and they had they had trespassed onto the train tracks there was a sign that was listed there that says do not enter you know they trip and fell on the train tracks they harmed themselves and you know based you know based on the situation who was at fault and here's kind of some of the principles that you could apply right and so I see a lot of instances, and again, I, there's so many educators out there that are much more innovative, creative, and thoughtful about this than I am. You know, these, this is just kind of like some some of the the reactions that I have to this. The point is, is like the only way to learn is not to be given a question and then like create something based off of that. There's different ways, there's different forms of like higher level thinking for folks to like be able to understand concepts and be able to apply those concepts based on like the, the world that we live in, right? I could see a lot of different situations where we could use maybe the knowledge on chat GPT. So, so as an example, if a teacher tomorrow was like, hey, okay, I know my students are going to use this, let's encourage it, right? Or like maybe let's just let's experiment with this and see if it actually leads to a different types of conversation that happens in the classroom. If I already know many of my students are going to potentially explore with this or have heard of this, use ChatBT. Let's figure out how I do it. So if I'm in a an English class and I'm asking them to write a debate paper on you know a topic, let's say debate paper on cyberbullying and social media, or, or you know like how should social media be allowed in schools, and they're writing a debate paper on it, and I know that some of them are going to use ChatGPT to write it or maybe they, I even encourage it as a part of the assignment. Well, then maybe the next day in class or over the next couple of days, I say, okay, so I know that many of you wrote this paper using ChatGPT. Now your assignment is, is for the next uh, day, I want you to actually write a paper or I want you to respond to the argument that ChatGPT Chat said. So I want you to assume that that paper is wrong. Please write, write an op opposing argument to this paper. 
right? Write an oppositional argument to this paper. I think there's just like a lot of opportunities for us to encourage that critical thinking, right? To encourage these skills using this technology. I know that really innovative uh, educators, folks that out there are very creative, are going to find, are just going to just completely blow the learning potential out of the way and also get students engaged, right? I think when another thing that we're very prone to in education is that oftentimes innovation happens, but in my experience, it can happen a little bit slower than the pace of, of the real world, understandably, right? The real world happens so fast. But in education, what can be so challenging about just kind of the cycle for innovation there is that usually most of that innovation happens during the summer, right? Or it happens during breaks because that's the time when you can breathe a little bit. That's the time when you're not in class eight hours a day with students, right? Because anytime after that is like you going home and then having to think about that strategic planning. And after I could, I could just tell you personally, after a day of being with a, a classroom and with 150 students over the course of, you know, a six, seven, eight hour day, you're exhausted. It becomes very, very challenging to do something like that. Over the course of the summer if, is, is likely when I imagine that school districts, educators are going to want to have some of these conversations about the implications of this and how it would be used. Now, there's going to, of course, be groups of folks that are talking about it sooner within districts and doing it. But I think in the statement that I read, again, to just say that this type of technology doesn't build critical level thinking, I just, I would push back on that. I think there's a lot of different ways to make this fun to the, in a way that students are going to be engaged with it in a way that's very related to their educational experience in the, in the world around them and, it, and to build problem solving skills. And again, with students in particular, I think the more that we try to isolate them from things that are happening in the world, think, you know, the way that technology and innovation is happening, you know, they, they see through that. I think authenticity is so important in the classroom. I know all of my teachers teachers and my educators know this. Um, and the more that you can kind of embrace those things or encourage conversation around some of these things, the more you're, you're going to have content and conversations with students that they're actually bought into, right? Because it's, it's, it's related, it's authentic, it's real, right? And it's not trying to hush hush certain things that are happening. Um, and it's really allowing them to engage in conversations that are going to be meaningful to them. So we'll see what happens, right? Obviously, this is, this is just the start of the journey. I have so much to learn along the way. I would really love you, if any of you all have questions along the way as well, if you want to learn more about chat GPT or some of the other ways that this technology is coming out, you know, join the conversation. You can definitely feel free to follow me on Twitter at the AI at Convo. I'd love to just hear a little bit of like your reactions about ChatGPT, your reactions regarding the New York City public schools. If you have folks in mind that you think we should be talking to, the goal of this conversation is going to be we really also need to start to bring some, some experts in, some folks who have spent a lot of their career with AI models, with learning language models like ChatGPT to understand more of what's coming, right? Because the reality is, is that these things are inevitable, in my opinion. There, there is absolutely going to be a presence of, of artificial intelligence tools and technology in education, right, in the very near future. What it looks like, I'm not sure. Maybe it could be some of these lear learning language models like ChatGPT. I see a lot of different ways as to how I think some of these things could be applied within education, but it could look like other things. What I think we need to be doing as educators, as folks who are either interested in education interested in supporting our children's educational journey, or just folks who are curious about the intersection between the two is I think we need to make sure that we, we are being heard and that our side of the conversation is being reflected within this. I also think it's just really important that questions or uses that we think are going to be really critical along the way are reflected as this technology continues to develop, as it continues to get smarter and smarter and smarter. I will leave you with that. Thank you all very much for listening to the first episode, and I'll see you next week.